Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, if you've had a bladder leak today, listen up. I get it. I tried pills and pads for years but couldn't find relief until I found Axonics Therapy. It's a tiny device that put me back in control of my bladder. Why not see if it could work for you? Visit findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. When Shopify says you can sell anywhere, oh, they mean it. Woo, hold up. Just got a new sale, order fulfilled, and shipped. Inventory level's good. Whoa, Shopify doesn't mind if you're at sea level. Or on top of the world. Uh, you can run and grow your business anywhere. Climbing mountains is never easy, but at least Shopify gives me all the tools I need for my business to hit new beats. Whether you're selling carabiners or crop tops, start selling with Shopify today and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. We've built the platform so you can keep climbing and grow your business to new heights. With Shopify, you really can sell to anyone from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or seafloors. Today's episode is brought to you by Flex Fantasy, and they want me to relay a message to you that they have cracked open the game of fantasy football to all. When you sign up for a free account and download the Flex Fantasy app, you can import all your teams from all your leagues across multiple platforms that you play on. Spice up your fantasy playing experience by challenging league mates or strangers off the street to a fantasy matchup no matter how or where they play. And put your money where your mouth is by placing a wager on your head-to-head matchup. It doesn't matter if you are on Yahoo and your opponent is on Sleeper. You can import your teams to Flex Fantasy to face off. You can even make wagers on who you think will win between other challenges besides your own. So sign up for a free account and download the app to try it out at flex.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Chris, I'm looking into our crystal ball because it is the clairvoyant Thursday for the second round of the playoffs. And I'm looking and I see... I see lots of cold, snowy, windy, dreary games that we're going to have to figure out 
what to do. I also see that I can't stop this voice. Please help me. How are you? <laughs> yeah. Did you see that we're going to have, you know, we've had a very low scoring season as it was, but one of the lowest uh, projected scoring weeks we're going to have going into the second week of the fantasy playoffs, as you kind of mentioned, um, they're talking about not only the cold weather, um, we've a, a, you know, a variety of injuries and backup quarterback situations. But one of the games over under is 32 points. So, yes, that's where we're entering this weekend. So, in my future, I see low-scoring football games. Oh, wait, that's been this entire season. Yeah, but this 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 week might taste the cake. <laughs> it's 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 going to be brutal, I think, overall this week. Welcome in, guys. Thank you for tuning in live on our YouTube channel. Uh, make sure you subscribe, like the video below. Make sure you're following us up to date on our favorite podcast apps. We, you guys are going to have some treacherous, you know, traveling, especially here on the East Coast. Mo- I mean, really half the country, essentially. So, you know, listen to the NBA Spanish football show. Kick back, you know, take your time, get to your families and everything safely. It's going to be a long weekend. Uh, most of the games are on Saturday, as we've been making sure we remind you guys every single day. Uh, there's three games on Sunday and a game Monday night. Those are the games we're going to be covering in today's show as well, because it is the second half of a Week 16 preview for our show today, because it's a clairvoyant Thursday. We usually have Brian Scott, but we don't today. So we do have the injury inquiries. It's pretty much, we'll keep you up to date on the news. And by the way, if you ever need to be updated on the news throughout the week, just follow us on social media at BaileyUpMDFFShow. We, Chris, we have, right now, before I hit the injury inquiries, we have a game going on where we're already kind of seeing the prelude of some of the horrendous weather that we're going to be getting all weekend long. It's, not actually, it's actually not even that cold right now in New Jersey. It's like 45. That's like 40 degrees warmer than it's going to be like anywhere else this entire week. They're just dealing with a lot of rain and wind, so it's still treacherous nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> here, give me this real quick. If you can't off the top of your head, if not, this fine. We'll go into injury inquiries. But is there a certain starts of decision that you're dealing with that – you're thinking about maybe there's a player that is way better, has a better matchup, but you're still talking about in your head benching that player because the weather might be that bad. I think the biggest situations where I see that is some quarterback situations, but a kicker is a big one that jumps out to me. Yeah. There's a lot of different kickers that I like. I know, like, for example, I'm being, you know, a big Tucker fan, although he was choked last week, but Tucker's usually a real good kicker and when you look at this game this weekend, you're like, uh, do I really want to be kicking outside this week versus an Atlanta, you know, game? So you look around, that's probably one of the big ones that jump out to me. And then some of the quarterback situations, if your quarterback's not a mobile quarterback, you're not loving the guys, you know, all, all throwers in a sense, unless they've kind of had some acclimation to this weather. And that's kind of the things I'm looking at for myself. Yep. Nope. Great advice, especially for your leagues out there that still have kickers. You, those windmill prowlers, we talk about that for quarterbacks a lot, but th- it matters for kickers too if you have them. So make sure you're taking that into consideration heading into this week. So I love that great little tidbit by you. All right, let's hit the injury inquiries. Injury inquiries. Oh. oh, oh. So again, these are more news updates, and we'll have more updates throughout the show too. Uh, but to kick this thing off, the big news, Jalen Hurts ruled out dealing with a shoulder sprain. We kind of knew this was coming this week. So, Chris, is not what we have to figure out. What we have to figure out is what do we think the odds are that he misses next week, most people's championship weeks? I think those odds are pretty good if the Eagles were to be successful and pull off a victory this week. You know, they have very much – if they are able to kind of clinch the playoffs for home field advantage, this will be the division they also want if they knock off Dallas. So, I think that's going to be the big thing. You know, why rush hurts back? Why kind of risk him? 
for the playoffs. This team has a bigger, you know, bigger picture in mind. So I don't think there's an eagerness necessarily to get him back out there. I think the offense looks horrible, and they fall to Dallas, and all of a sudden they're maybe going from a, first, a number one seed to a three or four seed playing on the road somewhere. and like, you know, grab him off the bench and get him out there. But I do think there's a good risk that you might not have for championship week. Yeah, I think I think it's 50-50 right now. I think part of it, if you have Jalen Hurts, you want the Dallas Cowboys to win on Saturday. That That's number one. But there's another issue here why I think maybe Jalen Hurts doesn't sit the rest of the season. Maybe he does play those next two weeks. He's an MVP candidate. He's knocking on that door. If he sits out the rest of the way, he's not going to win that MVP. And I don't know if he's good enough to play. I don't know if the Eagles would take that opportunity from him with how great he's been this year. So that's the other part that I would go in the checkbox of maybe if Hurts is healthy enough, he does come back and play next week so he can go get that MVP award. Because they do get the number one seed, which they really should, because they don't have to win one of the next three games to do it. He's going to get a week off anyway. So that would be my other tidbit of why I think maybe Hurts would play next week. What do you think about that? No, that's a really good point. I think that's definitely something to kind of consider. consider. And I make make you make an option, you know, now that people should be playing in the last week of the season because you should be in those leagues if you're doing that. But if you were to have stuck in that situation, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts might even be able to play in the last week of the season because of that very situation. So that's a good you know point to make. Uh, so we'll have to keep our eyes on that, of course. Uh, in other news, going to the Steelers, Kenny Pickett, he's had a concussion protocol. He's officially active and good to go. Here's the part that surprised me. Deontay Johnson, Mike Tomlin was very confident all week long that Deontay Johnson was going to practice. He's going to play. And yet, he didn't practice at all this entire week. He's going to be questionable heading into a Saturday night game. Now, I don't know how much you've been leaning on Deontay Johnson throughout the year, but he had a decent week last week. You got the Raiders this week. It's one of the few games that they're going to be dealing with weather, but it's not like over-the-top weather is supposed to be in Pittsburgh by that Saturday night. So maybe Deontay Johnson is not available. And on the flip side of that, if he's not available, George Pickens, who is dealing with an illness today, but he's not even on the injury report, they expect him to go. He could be looking at quite a few targets if Johnson can't go. I hope if they change his route tree for him, that could be a situation. But the weather you're talking about, well, it's not going to be as bad as some of the other situations. It's going to be cold. It's going to be windy. And we haven't really seen, you know, picket play in a situation in the NFL yet. So I'm kind of curious. He's already having problems kind of pushing the ball down the field as it was. His first offense in general has been very conservative. That's why Pickens is kind of struggling you know, as of late. Um, he's a big play guy. So if they're able to kind of involve him differently, I think he could definitely be a guy who's a boom. But I might think Pat Vermuth might be somebody you might be biggest beneficiary if Deontay Johnson was out. No, I, I agree. Pat Vermuth definitely will be a beneficiary. I think they would have to have no choice but to involve George Pickens a little bit differently than what they have because you're going to be looking at wide receivers like no-name wide receivers coming off the practice squad pretty soon for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think they'd have to change up something there. The only silver lining I can give you when it comes to Kenny Pickett, I'm not a Kenny Pickett fan to begin with, is that at least he played college in Pittsburgh. So weather at this point in the year, the bowl games, might be something he's dealt with before. That's the only silver line I can offer anybody. Uh, moving on here, Russell Wilson, he's going to get clear from concussion protocol. He's going to be good to go. Cortland Sutton came back to practice in a limited capacity both his days. So Russell Wilson comes back. Cortland Sutton comes back. Does this mean anything to you at all? <laughs> It means something to me if I'm a Jerry Judy owner. I'm kind of, you know, talked about if you want your Hertz owner wanting Dallas to win. If I'm a, you know, Denver Jerry Judy owner, I'm kind of hoping that Cortland Sutton doesn't come back because I don't want any other mouths feeding from this offense. It's very been very simple. It's basically been Latavius Murray and Jerry Judy. And if those two don't eat, then, you know, who knows who will. And that's where that situation gets real murky because we've seen this entire season where 
wrote something I do good, but the Judy doesn't, and vice versa. And it could be either one. So I, I'd be a little bit, you know, scared going into the second round of the playoffs with Jerry Judy, guy who has been hotter of, of late, and all of a sudden Colton Sutton's, you know, creeping around the corner. And here's another one actually from the Denver Broncos. I forgot to mention because I'm still debating if I'm even going to bother ranking him or not. But Chase Edmonds did get his 21-day window activated. There's a chance he could be active for this game. Just, you know, for shits and giggles. Uh, <laughs> uh, my last note that I have here, we'll go through the outline. We'll have more notes for people. But A.J. Dillon officially cleared from concussions. Well, He'll be good to go. Go ahead, Chris. I was going yeah. to ask you on this game. I don't know if you have an update there. But I know Latavius Murray, you know, hadn't practiced. And the update was supposedly because they practiced inside they didn't have him practice today. So I was just curious, you know, if you had anything with Latavius Murray, I know it's something he hasn't practiced yet this week. Uh, there's been different rumors of what's going on with him. He's a little banged up. He should be, you know, supposed to be playing except for they came out and they asked, you know, Nathaniel Hackett today, why didn't he play? He didn't practice because he practiced, he practiced inside, he said. So yeah, I don't know what that was that. really all about. The only update that I have is that everyone in the building, according to sources, seems to expect Latavius Murray to play on Sunday. Um, so the expectation is we'll see him practice in some capacity tomorrow. Uh, that's the only really update I can give you on, on that so far. So something that would definitely watch heading into Friday, because if he doesn't practice, then it'll be a whole other deal. But right now, Latavius Murray is expected to go. And uh, I just well, never heard up? that as a compliment before. As no, a, I never have either. It's weird. I don't know. <laughs> I, Latavius is a weird dude, though. So I, I never really rule. When I hear weird things out of a weird coach's mouth, I don't even blink twice about it. This is kind of like my rule of thumb with guys. Um, one, one thing I do need to update you guys on because we talked about this game yesterday already. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Uh, Kenneth Walker, DJ Dallas, both, both expected to be active. We were, when we talked about the show yesterday, I was not giving analysis if Kenneth Walker was going to play. And he still didn't practice today. But with all hands on deck, because Seattle has to make a push for the playoffs, sounds like he's going to go. So, Chris, I moved him down one spot, I think. I moved him from RB11 to RB12. You know, just reflection of probably not going to be 100%, but still would expect him to be the lead back against Kansas City. Where's your confidence level out on him? It's not very high right now because being lead back hasn't necessarily been great for him. He's kind of, you know, since he kind of got banged up or whatever happened to him, he's fallen off over the last three or four games. And in fact, the Seattle running attack has fallen off. You know, they played some good matchups where you thought you had ideal situations and he didn't necessarily show up for you. Now, what you did get last week is you got, you know, some combination yardage. And where I have a little bit more confidence in him playing him is if, if Marquise Goodwin's not going to play, which is some suddenly he's questionable now. He, and he is. They're, he's expected to play as well. Well, so they talked about that today a little bit more than they were supposed to play, but then they said they kind of now they're backing down. He's truly a questionable game time decision. And if that's the case, just, you know, saying that is the case, then I like Walker a lot more because suddenly look at the, you know, who's the mouths of feed. Look at Perry Hart, second guy out of DK Metcalf. Noah Fant's already banged up too. So I'm looking at a guy who might be getting catching a lot of balls out of the backfield, DJ Dallas or not. They're going to need everybody to be involved in offense if there's no, you know, no go on, no Godwin that lock it already. Well, yeah, and this is obviously this is a much better matchup than what they had against San Francisco. Plus, if they get inside the five-yard line, it's Kenneth Walker time. And he's been productive if they get inside those positions, I suspect. being That, that game is going to be ice cold. And I mean ice cold. But there's not that much wind. There's not going to be any precipitation. 
it still could be a decently high-scoring game, believe it or not, even with the cold weather. So they might have some opportunities to score. Kenneth Walker has been the guy to, to get those opportunities, and he has converted more times than not. The other thing is that that San Francisco game, they were trying to rotate in Travis Homer. They, they didn't have DJ Dallas that game. They were trying to rotate J- uh, Travis Homer in on third downs, two-minute drill. And then we saw in the second half, it looked like Seattle just like, all right, we're done with Travis Homer. Like, he was just so bad in everything he was doing. that Ken, That's why Kenneth Walker got the receptions that he did in the end of the, in that fourth quarter. They were just like, the hell with this. Just put Kenneth Walker out there. So as long as he's healthy enough to at least lead the backfield, I agree with you. I think he gets combination yards. He still has a chance for a touchdown. That's why it's going to probably be my lineup more so than not, unless the only caveat I'll have is that we get some kind of report from Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, about he's going to be expected to be on a limited snap count. Then we'll have to question a little bit. Look for my updates on BillyFantasySports.com. It'll get reflected in the rankings if that does, in fact, happen. Okay, Chris, are you ready to get into our first four matchups for our Clairvoyant Thursday show? And they are as follows, because I just messed up my outline. I can't even, you know, I can't even keep things straight here. Getting so excited for the second round of the playoffs. We got the Falcons against the Ravens. We got Washington against San Francisco. We got the Eagles against the Cowboys. That'll be a big one to watch. And, of course, the Saturday night game, which is the Raiders against Pittsburgh. So let's talk about our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Welcome back, Captain Obvious. Yes, I am. We can skip right ahead to the running back room because I don't have any quarterbacks that are obvious starters in these matchups. Just like a lot of matchups this week. All right, so Christian McCaffrey, he comes in actually one of the lower spots I've had him over the past few weeks. I have him at RB6. Part of that, of course, Washington, you know, a little bit better lately. They get Chase Young back this week. He's officially going to be back and active, and any help along the defensive front definitely helps. But also, now with the division and the playoffs locked in for San Francisco, it's hard for me to imagine they're really going to lean on McCaffrey that much when they need him so much more in the postseason. Now, we're still a few weeks removed. And as long as the Eagles have it officially locked up number one seed, that's still in play. So these are motivating factors. I'll throw another thing in there. Jordan Mason, he popped up on the injury report today at practice. He's questionable to play because he picked up a hamstring injury in practice. So we'll see what that does. Maybe they have to... They have to elevate either Tevin Coleman or Tierney Davis-Price. They haven't been on the same levels as Jordan Mason. Point is, McCaffrey's still an RB1, but I have simmered my expectations not necessarily have him ranked going into the top five. Are you in line with me there, or am I just being overly cautious? No, I think that's definitely, you know, depending on what the scoring format of, of course, it is. I think if you're in, you know, full point PPR, he probably is going to still be in your top five just because he's one of the few running backs who's involved in the passing attack consistently. Having said that, you have a lot of situations with 49ers questions. We talked about the different things. You know, what are they playing for? You got Brock Purdy coming back from an injury. Not really sure how serious or unserious that is. He's off, he's you know, off the injury report. Actually. I know he's off the, I know he's off the, I know he's off the injury report, uh, but I'm more so like, you know, how far are you going to try to push this guy? As you talked about, you've oh. got bigger aspirations and what, trying, what the team trying to do in general. So I don't really know what the 49ers are. You know, Debo got banged up a couple weeks ago. They, they, they have a lot of different, you know, things up in the air that I'm kind of a team that I don't really want to rely on is the 49ers, but the one guy who I'm definitely going to have my lot regardless is Christian McCaffrey. So I think that's the thing you look at. Maybe he's not as high as the ceiling as you usually expect, but if you're you know, you're playing in the playoffs this week, you're playing Christian McCaffrey. So I think that's pretty much a no-brainer. There's not really any reason to kind of argue yourself out of that. I will say this. The pattern's been the same since McCaffrey's been there. If they're in competitive games, McCaffrey plays like all the time. Like Shanahan can't help himself. So 
this game, I don't think the 49ers blow them out. So I think there's a chance he might just be competitive in the game for that the entire thing. Uh, Josh Jacobs, he does come in my RB2. I like the match against Pittsburgh. They have been a lot better against the run since CJ Watts come back. Totally agree. But, I mean, Jacobs is Jacobs. There's nothing else to talk about here. I don't, I don't think so. What about Devontae Adams? Does he bounce back this week? Yeah, I'm more confident Devontae Adams. Pittsburgh's, you know, with the defense, I have no idea what you're going to get. You had two weeks ago where the Ravens basically were running a wing T offense. The quarterbacks got knocked out, and they still run the ball right down the rate, you know, Pittsburgh's they were. throat. And then last week, you know, the Carolina team who's been committed to doing that couldn't run the ball for anything. So I don't know what you're going to necessarily see Pittsburgh's running attack or defensive stopping, but I do think that you're going to kind of see, um, you know, Devontae Adams be back on track. I think last week, before New England kind of zigged while everything was zagged. So taking Jacobs away, they took away Adams, and they focused on just doing that and basically let anybody else beat them. And that's pretty much what they committed to. Nobody else really does that other than New England. So lucky for yeah, the Raiders. New, New England just lands. forgot they can, they, had to, they can beat themselves too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, just real quick on that. Sure. I know I know everybody's wants to kill Myers and Stevenson for being such you know stupid players and all of that. But can you guys understand that if you have Matt Patricia's offensive coordinator and Eric, you know, Judge as your guy quarterback all season long, and you're just like, look, man, we got to do what we got to do because no we can't more. score no fucking not. points. Like, we can't do anything we can do. So we got to score points however we can do it because really, I mean, if Matt Jones, who's one of the more calmer guys I've ever seen in my life, screaming at people in the sidelines two weeks ago, I'm imagining probably things in New England offensively are pretty frustrating to the point where your best players were like, you know what, screw it. Let's just do what we gotta do. <laughs> but it didn't work, but I can't blame him really. Uh, I'm just, I'm just gonna keep saying to everybody. I told you so. I mean, not, not that I was the only one saying it, but I, I told you guys so. Like, there's no way Matt Patricia as the offensive coordinator is gonna work. There's no chance of that happening. But I just um, can't. Just real quick on that, real quick. Sure. It's amazing how he uses Matt Jones so differently than they use Zappy, and it's like almost, it's almost fuddling that you know. Because it's Matt Patricia's not good, but he actually had a clue when Zappy was a quarterback. Now it's like Matt Jones is the quarterback, and they're just like, yeah, we don't know offenses. We never called one before. We didn't even seen it before. Well, Chris, I got I got one for you. So we, we we do this game live Thursday nights, right? So we do have an update going on in the Thursday night game for now. If you're watching us live, Chris Strevler is coming into the game for Zach Wilson, and not on a like they did a play earlier in the game where they tried to do like a kind of like a Taysom Hill wing T thing. No, no, no. He's coming in to replace Zach Wilson for the rest of this game. That's the note that I am getting here. I'm not watching the game live, but that is the note that I am getting here. Chris Strebler coming into the game for Zach Wilson. So we'll keep you up to date on that as we get more uh, information. But, ooh, man, that must not be going well. Anyway, uh, getting back to our obvious starters for our, ne- our second half preview, uh, George Kittle, he comes in at my tight end eight this week. Or I'm sorry, tight end eight. Tight end four. <laughs> Let's cut that in half, shall we? Tight end four. Obviously coming off the great performance against Seattle. But it was Seattle. I mean, Seattle and Arizona, they're like in a whole class of themselves as far as like creative ways to give up points to tight ends. It's going to be a tough for match against Washington. However, somebody has to get involved in this passing game. And if it's not going to be Brian Ayuk outside the numbers, which doesn't seem to be trustworthy, which, told, again, told you guys so, Brock Purdy, not good for Brian Ayuk. It's got to be George Kittle. Somebody's got to catch the ball in the middle besides, you know, Christian McCaffrey on dump offs. So what's your confidence level on George Kittle? And, you know, before you answer, let me put that graphic up there for you again so you can kind of see what other tight ends we're dealing with. <laughs> no, look, you're going to have to show me the graphic because I know he's going to be the top five regardless. Um, he's got back-to-back weeks, as you talked about, that, you know, seem encouraging. And you look at the opponent, Arizona-Seattle. 
Okay, I agree with you. Bob Purdy definitely prefers to use the middle of the field. Unfortunately, you talk about Miley Ike because I've been kind of suffering. The passing game in general has suffered. So I don't know if, you know, Kittle's going to be featured enough to be, you know, have the boom he's had the last two weeks, but he definitely has the floor of any other tight end is going to have, has more upside. And also Washington team, I'm not afraid of them defending Kittle. What I'm afraid of them is that they actually get a pass rush and then George Kittle's not allowed to go out and pass, you know, pass protection or actually outside and run actual routes. But other than that, that's my only kind of concern for them matchup wise. I think when you look at the rest of the matchups, you know, Kittle's is as good as any. So you go with the upside guy, you go over a matchup. That look at the you know a secondary that's not that good in Washington. Yeah, one hundred percent. Let's go to our lock them in players. Lock them in. It's a lock. Chris, I got to lock in J.K. Dobbins as a top twenty running back this week. I got him in RB eighteen, two back to back one hundred yard performances since his return from injury. One, I think he had he had eight yards to carry. One game, I think nine yards to carry last week or something like that. Oh, and by the way, they're going up against the Atlanta Falcons. And Tyler Huntley is still the starting quarterback. The Falcons, of course, the 12th best matchup for running backs. Does Dobbins just keep this thing rolling or what? Yeah, I think he should. And, you know, the only thing that's a little bit cautious for me is you've had two back-to-back high-usage weeks of a guy who had, you know, had been not trying to skip back from healthy from ACL injury. So it's kind of interesting to see when he's going to get the touches. But it's been very explosive. It looks like J.T. Dobbins again, so you definitely want to have him in your lineups. Excellent option to have. Good matchup on paper. The other concern is the weather a little bit. The speed of your guys, you know, the speed's probably not be necessarily as effective on colder turf, colder weather. And when you got Gus Edwards kind of smashing in there, it makes it kind of appealing to come in the ball, especially when it's like, you know, nine degrees outside. So it's my only concern, but J.K. Dobbins overall still going to be one of the top tier guys you can have in your backfield. And a healthy running back at the right time where Riffs Bale's kind of getting banged up and nicked up. J.K.'s is, you know, getting healthier. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Choose from a great selection of digital coupons and use them up to five times in one transaction. Check our app for details. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Um, just a quick update. Chris Trevler is still in the game, and uh, the Jets are actually moving the ball for the first time all game. I just checked it in. So, woof, it's going to be fun in New York. All right, so moving on here, we got Miles Sanders. You figure with Gardner Minshew starting and the coaching staff coming out and pretty much putting all the blame on themselves for not getting him the ball more last week, Miles Sanders probably is going to be pretty heavily involved. I got him coming in my RB12. Let me get the uh, bar there out of the way so you can actually see it. Miles Sanders coming to my RB12 this week, a low in RB1. Dallas' defense is really banged up, and I think they're really going to lean on him this week. So what do you think about having him in my top 12? I love it. I've been beating the drum this last two weeks, three weeks. Dallas' defense is overrated. People need to listen to me. It's overrated, and it's soft. You can run on them, especially if you run run right at them. And the Eagles will have no problem doing it. The Eagles have a good offensive line. They have a backup quarterback playing. 
Talk about Monsters being kind of, you know, not misused last week. But overall, you've been very pleased with the Jalen Hurts who's been you know, dom- running quarterback, running quarterback who's dominant. Miles Sanders has been really productive this year. So now you get a Gardner Ranch who actually checked the ball down once in a while and give him the ball in RPOS situations. Like Miles Sanders a lot this week. And uh, without Jalen Hurts in there to steal away touchdowns, like you said there, uh, yeah, Miles Sanders might have a touchdown or two coming his way. Um, what about Tony Pollard and I got Najee Harris? I got Najee Harris actually had RB14 this week. He's just been getting the volume again, like a Najee Harris would. Even with Jalen Warren getting mixed in a little bit last week, you got the touchdown and everything. Najee Harris still had over 20 opportunities. That's what you want to see against the Raiders defense. And then on the flip side, we got Tony Pollard. I got him at RB19. Not the best match against the Philadelphia Eagles. He's been so good and so explosive, and they're going to need that at the backfield against Philly. This game really means a lot to Dallas because they're fighting for their playoff lives after giving up a bad one to Jacksonville last week. Yeah, that's why Dallas is going to lose, in my opinion. We'll talk about <laughs> our show tomorrow. Um, <laughs> yes, catch you Friday show at 10 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. Yes, catch us tomorrow when we talk about giving you some of our tips. But listen, I think this is going to be a, a good matchup, you know, on paper for both teams. I think Tony Pollard has a guy you want to continue as a flex option at least. He's going to catch the ball out of the backfield. They don't really have a, a true second-tier receiver or second, top-tier second receiver right now. You saw Nob Brown being involved. They'll probably be a little bit involved, but you're going to see the running back – have to be involved in this game, as you, t- you alluded to. So I think Tony Pollard to play. I don't love his upside that you've seen as of late, but I do think he's a guy that you're probably playing this week. And then on the other side, I think that um, – I forget who the question was. I'm sorry. Not, Najee Harris, the other guy. Oh, Najee Harris. Yeah. Yeah. I love Najee Harris, another guy you talked about. The only thing you don't like about right now is that he's not necessarily catching the ball. They're not throwing the ball for some reason to him. You can you get an Alvin Kamara treatment earlier in the season where, you know, suddenly they just well, forget Najee Harris to do both things. Kenny Pickett's back in the game. And it, it, actually, Pickett being in the game actually does <clears> benefit <throat> guys like Harris, benefit guys like Pickens. It does, but if you looked at the you know the last couple of weeks, Najee Harris is in general, while he's gotten back on track fantasy-wise, he hasn't been involved in the passing attack, and they've been utilizing different guys for some reason. So that's only kind of my knock on that. But overall, one, one of the games and one of the teams you could definitely just live off the running attack and not have to catch the ball is the Raiders. So you saw what you know Rodney Stevenson did, despite, despite you know being stupid with the, the, the play I talked about earlier, but they would <laughs> run all over him. So I think you look at that kind of matchup and you look at a very tasty matchup that you want to kind of take advantage of. You know, I have to say, I haven't heard too many people uh, knock on Ramondre Stevenson for that play. All the talk's been Myers. And that's because, you know, he's the one who threw it, you know, 25 yards back to Mac Jones for absolutely no reason whatsoever. But Stevenson's the one who started that. And I wonder if that maybe caused a brain fart on Myers's thinking like I like oh oh we need a pitcher's ball oh okay so I think more needs more people need to talk about that Chris Remind well Myers Myers, Myers said that um well two things they did bring that up they talked about Myers not kind of t- t- taking the blame for it and not kind of throwing us out of the bus all week long has kind of just been the man and you know he's earned a lot of kind of blame with the Patriot co- cohorts and then in Myers defense he said you know when they asked him what he did he said Matt Jones looked like he was open to me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's why I said I don't think they're really that apologetic because they know they're uh... dealing with offensively right now they're like, we hate you. We hate you all. And um, yep. here's what we could talk about. So at my lock him in position, I have AJ Brown. I'm locking him in as wide receiver eight. So it's a top 10 play, even with Gardner Minshew going up against the Dallas Cowboys this week. Is that too confident? I don't think so. Once again, I'm going to point out this Dallas defense has struggled for two weeks in a row versus Houston and then Jacksonville. Jacksonville has some good players, but they don't have a plethora of weapons, and they were able to kind of feast on a secondary. So why not one of the guys who's been feasting out all season long, A.J. Brown? 
And Devonta Smith's got to, you know, engage me back this week as well. So there's a lot of matchup problems for Dallas in general. I think A.J. Brown has just as good an upside as anybody else. And I think Gardner Minshew and the Eagles are out to be proved something. So I like them as well. Okay. Uh, let's go to our tight end position. I always, I always feel... I feel very scared to give out lock them in tight ends. Okay. It's very petrifying for me to do so in my rankings. Here's what I got for you though. Now that Tyler Huntley's definitely going to play. I got Mark Andrews back up inside my top five. I have him at number three. I'll probably move him down. I think I'm going to move him down to probably eight before we get up to Saturday. I'm going to move Kittle, Schultz, Dallas Goddard, and uh, I'll move him down to eight because Evan Ingram's having himself a game. But he'll still, point being, he'll still be my top 10. No matter what happens, I know it's been brutal. Are you really going to bench Mark Andrews against the Atlanta Falcons in your playoffs? No, absolutely not. It's stupid to do so. Look, the guy had th- seven targets, caught the ball three times, 31 yards. That's what a lot of tight do most weeks. That's Mark Andrews' down week. That was an offense that basically knocked his quarterback out, but still struggling all season long. He barely scored 10 to 13 points and still won a better tight end options you could have. So absolutely, you pay Mark Andrews this week. You imagine at some point the Ravens have to have a forward pass that goes to somebody else, and, and actually forward to somebody. So you look at all those different things. Mark Andrews is a great matchup, a good ma- uh, a guy who's been always targeted no matter who the quarterback is for the Ravens team. And then add the fact that Duver Bay's out. This receiver course is you know decimated with injury. So I love Mark Andrews this week. Of course, Dallas Goddard. And Pat Frymuth, both of my lock them in too. Dallas Goddard, I got at tight end six. Pat Frymuth at tight end nine. Now that we have the news about Penny, Kenny Pickett getting clear concussion protocol-wise, there's a good chance I'll move Pat Frymuth up a few spots from there. But I have both those guys as top ten plays this week. So let's talk more about Dallas Goddard. Pat Frymuth, I know he had the big zero game, but I think we all understand as long as Kenny Pickett's out there, this guy's a top ten tight end. We're, we're trusting Dallas Goddard against Dallas, who's been very good against the tight end position, but with Vander Esch out, I think that becomes a little more shaky in his first game back off the IR. Are you going to be as trusting as I am? I don't. It depends on what my options are. I mean, it depends. I think you have you know, very limited options, of course, to the tight end position, so Goddard's one of the better guys you could have. I'm a little concerned that, you know, all the mouths to feed are the receiver's going to eat, the running back's going to eat, you know, you have back a quarterback so while I don't love Dallas's defense and I think it you know is overrated, I don't think necessarily the Eagles are what they're going to score forty five points. So right. I'm a little cautious about you know Goddard's involvement, especially coming back up the injury, especially kind of being walked involved with the offense. But the last time that we did see him out there with Gardner Minshew, Gardner Minshew did look for him and was he did have a great game. Yeah. So kind of keep that keep that in mind. It was you know I think two years ago we were Dallas as well. So I, he does have kind of familiarity with the Goddard. Usually the quarterback. He looks for the tight end, you know, kind of getting the first or second starts. So I like him as option, um, but I don't necessarily – if you have a, a different guy maybe you're looking at, it could be somebody to kind of consider. I wouldn't necessarily argue out of it either. Look out for – Well, we've been alluding to him with the other players, so let's go right into him. Gardner Mitchell, look out for player for me. He comes in – He actually, I think I might have changed this right before the show – on the graphic here, he comes in right at my QB 13. I think I actually moved him into my top 12 uh, just before we started. So 12, 13, low in QB 1, high in QB 2. You go up against Dallas. They're obviously banged up. You point out they almost lost to Houston. Trevor Lawrence had a top 5 week last week. And I'm not suggesting that Gardner Minshew is Trevor Lawrence by any stretch of the means. But he does have a lot of good weapons. And he's surrounded by a really good team. I think this game, at the very least, will be competitive. Minshew is not Jalen Hurts. 
anywhere close, but he is a viable streaming option if that's who you have to pivot to. Do you agree? I 100% agree. And this is also a guy I know that, you know, Jalen Hurts talked about MVP conversation. People might forget, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a lot of clamor for Gardner Minshew to take over this job once he got that start and dominated, had a, a great, fantastic game. And Jalen Hurts suddenly was kind of questioned whether he should be the long-term future guy. So Gardner Minshew has done this before for the Eagles. He's shining through for them. He's a guy who has a great chip, big chip on his shoulder. All that talent around him, I love, love, love him in this matchup. As a guy that, you know, I'm not necessarily saying he's going to blow up like you're talking about, but as a guy that I think has a very solid floor for an Eagle team that's been really good. And I think that you look what they asked Jalen Hurts to do. It's a lot of simple, easy reads with a lot of spectacular playmakers. Gardner should be do all those things. They put up numbers for left through talent before. Agreed. Dak Prescott, he comes in my QB 10. A, not a good match against the Philadelphia Eagles defense. While the, the Eagles defense didn't lose Jalen Hurts. That, that, that much I could tell you. Now, Prescott, he's been pretty consistently hovering around that 9 to 15 area since he's been back off his injury. So he's been hovering around that low in QB1, high in QB2. He usually gets you two touchdowns. His play hasn't looked all that pretty to me. Like I've seen a Dak Prescott who's really like struggling to figure out his reads and get through his progressions out there on the field. But by hook or by crook, he seems to get into that area where you continue to play him as a low-end QB1. So I got him at 10, Chris. Where would you have him at? Yeah, I think you're probably going to continue to see what you've been seeing. But the reason he's been kind of having a floor to a degree is he's scrambling around a little bit more. So as a result, you can kind of getting, you know, when it's not huge yardage for the rushing attack, but it gives him a little bit more extra bonus points to add to his totals. He sees the production in the red zone. So overall, Dallas' offense has been really good. He scored over 30 points, I think, four straight weeks. So the offense is pretty much humming. But Dak Prescott's been a problem. Um, the turnovers have been a problem for him. The being able to push the ball down the field has been a problem all season long for him. So in general, Dak Prescott has not been playing good quarterback, but who has been this year? So as a result, you probably finish the top of 10, 15. If you have a decent week and Dak Prescott, just like any other quarterback, have a decent week, 17, 18.9 week versus the Eagles. So I, I think he's, you know, a guy that you can consider this week. Derek Carr comes into my QB 16. If you were thinking about streaming him, uh, good luck. Pittsburgh Steelers have been one of the top defenses for the past month against the quarterback position. But furthermore than that, there's no way in hell I'm trusting Derek Carr in a second round playoff matchup. There's got to be somebody else to go to. I would have been very excited for Derek Carr in a second round matchup if this game was in Las Vegas. Being it's in Pittsburgh, you to the weather. I'm very cautious in the Raiders in general, particularly Derek Carr. Yeah, totally agree. Look out for Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards just missed my top 36. But he's been assuming his Gus Bus role with J.K. Dobbins. They will feed off each other. It looks like the Ravens' backfield again. And you're playing against Atlanta. My point is to say this. If you find yourself in a situation with all the injuries and all the bad weather games out there, you're just looking for somebody that you know will touch the ball and you know will at least be efficient when he touches the ball, even though you, it's not a big ceiling. You can play him in an emergency situation, but he's outside my top 36 because such a limited ceiling because he has to score really to get you double-digit fantasy points. And I agree with that, but I also gives me some – you see a low ceiling. I think he has a decent ceiling in a sense because I, I think it's very plausible he could score touchdowns versus Atlanta team. And I think it's very it's also very plausible with the weather we're going to see – in, if J.K. Dobbins and why he's been used so much over Gus Edwards, Gus Edwards looked really great, great last week. Had, you know, two carries for 35 yards right off the bat. Um, one of 55 yards because basically J.K. Dobbins was involved the rest of the game because the Ravens were trying to score points to come back. 
the Ravens get up at any point in this game by double digits or close double digits, Gus is going to get the ball. And I think that, you know, you can see the opportunity for him to have a decent game where you're going to get tackle, tired of tackling a guy for Atlanta. And this is a smaller defense in general, not very big defense. If, you know, they can't ride on him long enough, he could have a big game in that cold weather. So that's kind of where I'm not necessarily saying you have to play Gus Edwards, but I'm saying you're rolling the dice. If you're going to roll the dice, it's not something I don't think has, you know, doesn't have a ceiling because I think it's easy opportunity for this guy to have a big run or two and score a touchdown or two. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible against Atlanta, no doubt about it. But you need that. Otherwise, it could be a pretty low floor that day. Here's one for you, Chris. I'm going I'm to get your reaction on this one. So Brian Robinson, he's he might be cautious of. We'll, we'll talk about that soon. Antonio Gibson does crack half one PPR rankings. Remember, top 36 for me. We didn't expect this game strip to go. I expect Washington to be down in the second half, have to come back. Gibson's getting all the passing work. And what can you not do against the 49ers? You can't run up the middle. You know what you can do? You can catch the ball as a running back. They've given up the fourth most targets to the running back position. I think Antonio Gibson, half-point, full-point PPR leagues, can be a viable flex play at RB33 this week. I'm really curious. Uh, you talked about the numbers for 49ers throwing the ball against your back. You know, with, with Crenlaw's play this entire season, they've been tough to throw on the running back. So I'm a little curious who I've seen kind of do well versus the 49ers as, as the guy who's been featured in the backfield. I was Lawrence trying to think of that too. Wasn't. I looked at the stats. I, I, I looked, it's a lot of volume. It is a lot of volume because you, you're talking about those numbers, but I'm thinking, you know, over the last few weeks, they played some good running back teams and none of these running backs were involved in the passing attack for, you know, for shit. Even Tampa Bay's running backs weren't really involved. So I don't know if I'm super excited versus team. Numbers why it sounds like a good matchup. On paper, I think this is a bad, bad matchup for that Washington team in general. So I don't like it. Um, I'm trying to avoid as many guys as I possibly can from Washington, in my, in my personal opinion. But I think if, you know, if Gibson's a guy that you have, as you can find some full-point PPR option, possibly. I just, well, I have one other caveat for you. Besides the targets given up and besides the game script that I expect to have happen on Saturday in this game, the other caveat would be Taylor Heineke against that pass rush is going to be under pressure a lot. I think he's going to be checked down City that entire game. That will lead to Antonio Gibson probably more featured on screens, probably more featured on third down longs. There could be some garbage yards picked up along the way. So in a weird way, I think Antonio Gibson actually has a workable floor when we talk about half-point, full-point PPR. Now, again, it's not, I'm excited about it. It's not a, a big ceiling play, but I think there is a floor that would be had with the pass-catching back of Washington. Just as the other extra caveat to throw in there. I don't know if you have a rebuttal to that or not. I guess for myself, because I've seen Washington make a conscious effort to try and evolve dots in the last two weeks, I think that's going to continue to be the effort. I think they're going to, you know, attack the secondary, which is actually exposable for 49ers, more so than I expect Gibson to be kind of evolved, who hasn't really been the guy they've been looking to get as involved in the odds lately. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see if this is going to be, cha- you know, changing the week. You talk about Tyler Henneke's matchup. He could look for a check down City, but this is also the game where I think Tyler Henneke could drop a buck. Buck 27, and we start talking about why Carson Wentz not playing because I think this is going to be a blue weight giver <laughs> Tyler Henneke this week. No, it's valid, too. John Dotson, I don't think that's going to be the case. We'll talk about that why in the Be Cautious of segment in just a little bit. Uh, we got Drake London. I'm sorry, Ezekiel Elliott, also my lookout for the running back position. It's a tough matchup. I still have him as RB24. still have him as low in RB2. Right now, Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard, that is the engine of the Dallas Cowboy offense. And when they get inside the five, it's Zeke time. So he's got a good chance to score. So are, are you t- kicking him outside your top 24? Or are you keeping it in there? 
I think when you look at who's healthy, he's still got to sit in the top 24, but the Eagle matchup definitely is something I'm not excited about. And Zeke in general is very hot and cold with the Eagles. As of late, he stunk. Um, he had some good games over history historically versus the Eagles, but usually the Eagles do a good job on Ezekiel and Dallas in general. So I'm not loving Dallas, like I talked about earlier. Zeke's still a guy I think he has an option to fall in the end zone, but this is, you know, this Eagle team is pretty, pretty good. Yeah, we'll have to see exactly what happens there. All right, so move on to the wide receivers, some guys I'm looking out for. Drake London, another guy who didn't quite make my list at wide receiver 27. Not a great weather game, and this is why I don't really want to play Drake London if I don't have to, but he's just outside my top 36. Why? He did get 10 targets last week. I think Desmond Ritter only knows how to throw the ball to one person, that person being Drake London. So if you just need a safe volume floor, he could be that guy against Baltimore. And I don't think Atlanta's going to run very successfully against Baltimore either. That also plays into this. Well, I, will work, well, I don't know what the running part, but I will add that, you know, in terms of the target share, we've seen this back-to-back weeks where Drake, you know, Drake London's been leading the target share by far, whether it's Mariota or, or Ritter. And in Ritter's college situation, he just usually featured one receiver. Um, but it's more the Ravens secondary. I mean, this, this secondary is back on fumes again. They're back on backup backups. Peters is out again this week. They have already been banged up this entire season. Their safety play has been banged up. So the Ravens secondary is, you know, back to where they were last year where they're running out six stringers. It's going to be hard to kind of match up week in, week out with those kind of guys. So I like Drake London, especially in the slot, if you take advantage of the Ravens. Uh, Terry McLaurin, he comes in at my wide receiver 15. It's not a bad match against San Francisco, like we've been pointing out. Terry McLaurin has been killing zone teams all year long. So this really favors his style and what he does best against San Francisco, who's heavily a zone team. The only caveat, the reason why he's my lookout for it and not my lock him in, is there is a part of me that's a little bit worried about Taylor Heineke, like you said, having a buck 25 game and nobody being able to eat as a result to that. Or maybe even Carson Wentz coming in the second half, which maybe might actually help McLaurin. Who knows? So that, that is why he's my lookout for. There is a low ceiling to his game because of what the matchup might do to the quarterback situation. But overall, Terry McLaurin right now for me in one of the better weather games that we're going to find all week long, still somebody that's probably going to be in my lineup at the end of the day. But where are you at on Terry McLaurin? Yeah, I sit in the same kind of situation. as the guy that I don't hate the matchup. Uh, on paper, I like it. The problem is that most teams don't seem fearful, and partly it's because of the pass rush. Be able to push the ball down the field for you know against this 49ers secondary. If you do so, you could definitely attack them. The problem is that for myself is Terry McLaurin is a guy who doesn't really necessarily catch a bunch of screen passes, a bunch of short stuff. He's more of a medium to longer pass guy. So you need a little bit of pass protection. You need guys being aggressive down the field. I think this could go one or two ways. Rather, you know, because Washington's so stupid and Tyreek's so clueless, they <laughs> just kind of just you know are aggressive and, and kind of are clueless and just kind of do the things that everybody else has been doing the whole time and show out like, hey, this is how you beat the 49ers and actually are aggressive and Terry McLaurin could do really good. Or it's what I kind of worry about is they try to get conservative. This game is going to be an ugly game in general. The passing attacks on both sides are ugly and you wind up just kind of suffering with Terry McLaurin gets you a four-catch, 46-yard game because I can see that really being much being the case. I know they attack zone. I know they move the ball. But neither of these teams you know, play a lot of pace. And usually Washington has to kind of, you know, catch back up. It's usually when the, these guys get more involved in the passing attack. So I'm kind of interested to see, you know, with the 49er team um, where they can kind of both grind it out. Is this going to be one of those games that neither offensive receiver actually does a lot? 
Yeah, which we'll talk about Brandon Ayuk in just a second. We got a question coming in from Kenny. Kenny, thanks for tuning into the show. He's asking, uh, Raheem Mostert or Algier, full point PPR. It is Mostert for me 100%. Yeah, I'm going to go with Mostert. I wouldn't say 100%. I do like Algier's matchup, but I do think you know, Clint Campbell's not going to play this week. Um, but I think overall, you're looking at the full point PPR point, and so you're going with the guys who can catch the ball. You like the you know, target share for his opportunity over Algier's. I sense a uh, state your case debate coming in the be cautious of by liking Tyler Algiers matchup because we couldn't be more different on that one. But before we get there, we still have more guys to go through and look out for brain. Ayuk, he is. So right now he's actually at my wide receiver 24. When I first did these rankings, he's no longer, I can already tell you on Billy He has been moved down to my wide receiver 28. I have him right behind Devonta Smith. Now, um, just a reflection of kind of the things I'm going to be pointing out here. Like, I just don't like him with Brock Purdy. When Purdy came into the game for Jimmy G, that game, he had nine targets. And it was, so I was like, okay, well, maybe he will still get the ball. But since then, and what I thought would come to pass, Purdy not being a guy who likes to throw the ball outside the hashes unless he absolutely has to, well, Ayuk's only had three and then four targets over the past two weeks as a result to that. So there's a really a low floor here with Brock Purdy. It's a quarterback for Brandon Ayuk. It is not a good matchup, a good situation, I should say, for him. He's still a wide receiver three because there still is on paper, in theory, when I do these data points, should be some targets available for Brandon Ayuk. So he's still not off my radar completely, but he's a wide receiver three for me, not a wide receiver two. Where are you at on Brandon Ayuk? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Yeah, I probably sit in the same spot. Look, this Washington defense gets a lot of credit for being good. It's not that good. It's it's decent, but their secondary is definitely something you can expose. Different teams have kind of shown you that they different guys have you know been involved in the past that you were like, ooh, that guy. Who? So you can move the ball. I mean, with the Giants last week. Having said that, um, this 49er team, and you know, I talked about earlier where, where Brock Purdy is kind of physically with kind of his injury on injury, whatever's going on in the situation. The 49ers team's playing kind of just conservatives as they can in the sense to win. So I'm kind of curious, as you kind of alluded to, how aggressive they're going to be. Are they going to push the ball outside the field? But it's going to kind of keep it simple, keep him healthy, and try to get this game over as fast as possible. So I think if those all situations comes, I don't love Ayuk's upside. But I think he's a guy that you know you could definitely consider having as, as an flex option or receiver three. Uh, Devon, I mentioned Devonta Smith. He comes on my wide receiver 27 against the Dallas Cowboys. I think he's still a wide receiver three with Gardner Minshew. Also in that territory, I got Deontay Johnson at wide receiver 28. But that part, we got to see if he's going to be active for that game. And then George Pickens. I, we kind of, I kind of alluded to this throughout the show already. He comes at wide receiver 23 for me. 
uh, especially if Deontay Johnson's going to be hindered or out. I do expect him to, he's been averaging six targets with Kenny Pickett anyway. I suspect he would at least get bumped up to somewhere between eight and nine if Deontay Johnson is hindered or out of this game against the Raiders, which I know there's some win, but I still feel like that game could wind up having some decent scoring in it, especially comparatively speaking to what we might see throughout the day. So I actually kind of like George Pickens as a nice little sneaky play, high in wide receiver three, low in wide receiver two for me this week. And then Devonta Smith, I'm good with him. Where are you at with those guys? Do you agree or disagree with that? I like Devonta Smith and Pickens. I'm still, like I told you earlier, if this game was in Vegas, I'd be all over it. I don't love it in Pittsburgh, and I don't necessarily trust that he's going to get the volume, especially in the second week of playoffs. This offense and these teams in general, I'm not loving this game, touching too much. But I, I'm not going to depend on a guy who I haven't really seen be productive or, or over-the-top productive in a couple of weeks now and kind of banking on he's going to do something. I like the matchup, though. So it's an you know, option you can have with him in receiver three, but I'm not trying to figure how to get George Pickens in my lineup necessarily. Okay, okay. Well, I'll have to see exactly what happens there. Uh, Darren Waller, look out for him. He's got he's up in my tight end eight. That's right. He gets a touchdown last week, and his reward is he cracks my top ten heading into this week. I don't have a good argument for you other than he's Darren Waller. He's a tight end, and he's talented, and he can score touchdowns. And, yeah, there you go, top ten guy. So I don't know if you have anything rebuttal to play to that one. <laughs> no, it's a pretty good one. Um, I do think, Daniel, <laughs> looking at Pittsburgh in general, you definitely could take a different advantage of their secondary. Uh, Fitzpatrick has not been good. Um, overall, their secondary hasn't been good. So you could take advantage. Well, I think Devontae Adams might be the reason I might have a little caution Darren Waller because I think did nothing, and Darren Waller was involved as a result. But um, as you alluded to, talent matchup-wise, top 10 That's options you- still. That's what you have to go with. At the end of the day, that's just, that's just what you have to ride. Be cautious of. Be cautious, Kenny Pickett. Yep. Uh, be cautious of Brian Robinson, too. He comes in. He's he's all like RB45 for me. He's like close to my RB50 this week. I know he's been the guy who's been getting the majority of the work between the two. This is a terrible matchup for him. There's no way Brian Robinson's cracking my lineup. Is he cracking yours? I think maybe you have a flex option if you're desperate. I mean, there's a lot of injuries. A lot of guys kind of have to do what they got to do for lineups right now, so I can understand Brian Robinson is a consideration for you. But as a guy that I would try to avoid, I don't like Gibson over him, though. So if I'm not going to touch, you know, the bunch watching the backfield in general, I'm not playing Robinson. That's my personal thing. But, I, you know, as you alluded to, not a good matchup. He has been getting more of the volume, so that's why I kind of trust him of the two. But overall, who cares? When he plays a 49er team, is going to be very low scoring, and I'm not excited, especially watching – and that's the reason I'm very cautious of Washington in general. After watching the last couple weeks of Washington, I kind of feel like this team's about to you know, catch up for itself, especially offensively. All right, so this is where I'm sensing this is going to be interesting based on some of your comments throughout the show. I am not putting Tyler Algier or Cordell Patterson anywhere near my lineup this week. It's the fourth worst matchup a running back can have. Baltimore's been especially good up the middle, and they just held Nick Chubb, the Cleveland Browns, in check, even though they lost that game. So I don't know where, why are you giving any kind of confidence? At least it sounds like to me, at least you have some confidence in the Tyler Algier or, or maybe in a Cordell Patterson we haven't really mentioned yet. I don't know how, like supreme confidence. I'm not saying there are RB1s this week or anything along those lines, but I think there are options that you can consider, especially in the weather. And I think we look at, you know, big back running backs. They've been really effective over the last few weeks. And look at the Ravens team in general, who has been good numbers wise versus, you know, the run. But look at the like, Carolina matchup, very similar to Atlanta. You know what they're going to get. Foreman had a pretty good game that game. Um, the Ravens, Achilles Campbell, without Peters, without their safety, uh, two of their safeties down, their defense is not the Raven defense. And that's where I think there's going to be some, you know, some 
curiosity in my picture, especially what Atlanta was able to do offensively and kind of narrow down the, the usage of running backs. I think it's going to be a very simple offense. You have one guy they throw the ball to and two guys they hand the ball to. So I think that's going to kind of be how it works moving forward for Atlanta. So it gives me some hope for Algier. Cover Kyle Patterson is a different story because he has been used since he's got returned back from um, injury. Sorry. No, I was going to say, like, yes, it's not it's not the Ravens' defense, but it's not the Ravens' defense when it comes to the passing game. It's been a pretty good defense against the run. I mean, teams that obviously are going to run the ball versus them, they have not. Like, Nick Chubb wasn't crap last week. Um, they haven't shut down anybody. And like I said, the Carolina games, the wasn't good. Pittsburgh game. Um, no, but he also had Clayus Campbell most of that game last week. Clayus Campbell's huge for them. That's you know, this team, this team that you saw last two years when they didn't have Bobby Williams in the nose tackle, how this defense was completely different as run defense for the Ravens. And they usually were right numbers-wise great. But when Williams didn't play, it wasn't the same Ravens defense. Without Clayus Campbell, we're going to see how good this Ravens front there is not really good because they don't have those guys anymore. All right, we'll have to see. Uh, I think we both agree Curtis Samuel, he's not getting in your lineup. His usage has gone to the wayside. John Dotson, on the other hand, so it sounded like you actually had some confidence in John Dotson. I have none. The reason being is that Dotson is their man guy. That, that's when they seem to feature him, when they play against man defenses. They do not go to him when they're playing in zone. Now, I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that because he can't beat zone. It's just not what they seem to do. That's more Terry McLaurin style. First read, hot read, option route. Terry McLaurin goes. They don't really get the ball to John Dotson nearly as much. Plus, again, I mean, the same floor issues that we have for Terry McLaurin also apply to John Dotson, except even more so because he's a second read. So do you actually have more confidence than I do in Dotson? Because he's not cracking my top 36. I mean, I think he's a flex option. He's not a guy, like I said, you have to have your lineup where I'm not necessarily going to you know, make you jam in your lineup in any kind of capacity. But you've seen, what, eight, nine targets over back-to-back weeks. And you talked about the defenses. You know, this guy hasn't been healthy for most of the season. When he was healthy and early in the season, was utilized pretty well with Carson Wentz. Came back, wasn't kind of utilized in the passing attack, but has kind of, you know, obviously kind of passed Curtis Samuel, in my opinion at least, has become the second, you know, passing attack guy they've been using the last couple of weeks. As they kind of phased out more of the running back usage and throwing the ball to the backfield, you've seen Dotson kind of boom with that. And there's been a lot of talk around Washington, you know, making sure they're trying to use their younger players, Emma McLaurin and Dotson is the key guys are trying to get involved. And you've kind of seen as a result, both those guys have been more featured, especially McLaurin early and now, you know, continue to trend. You need Dotson as of late. So I kind of think Dotson has the opportunity versus secondary. And I agree with you. I think Washington's going to run the ball on the 49 very well. So if they throw the ball and he gets got just a good opportunity to you know, do something as anybody else does. I don't love him as you know a receiver too or anything like that, but he's a guy that you could definitely consider as an option, especially when you start looking at some of the other guys you could look at. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Take a quick break. We come back on the other side. We got four last matchups to go over for our week 16 second half preview. So make sure you guys stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. This holiday season, I'll be giving thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. Everyone loves turkey and stuffing, but you'll be looking like dessert with the help of Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming have blessed you with the ultimate Thanksgiving dinner topic. Tell your in-laws about your new cutting-edge ball trimmer and gift yourself or the man in your life the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Trim your pumpkins by going to manscaped.com and use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY for free shipping and 20% off. Think your holiday spread is good? It's time to give thanks to the Manscaped Performance Package 
Package 4.0, or as I like to call it, the perfect package for your package. Inside, you'll find our Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Think of it as a cornucopia for your balls. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Football. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Welcome back into the show. You are watching and or listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. It's a clairvoyant Thursday where we're looking into our crystal balls and we're trying to give you the best advice for your fantasy football playoffs. And MD Nation, we're here. We are one week away from a championship game. I can't believe it's the end of the year already, Chris. Cannot know, believe it. It flew. It, I, I know I feel like we say that every year, but this year, I don't know. I feel like I woke up and it was December already. Yeah, I mean, this year in particular, it flew by. I think it's kind of, you know, not to be Debbie Downer, but I think kind of the lack of excitement in those offenses, you know, NFL season in general kind of just blurred into one season in a lot of ways in my eyes, where a lot of the teams, are, you know, kind of became what you got accustomed to seeing week in, week out. And our 16 to 10 game was talk about it. And, you know, what quarterbacks can we play? What tight ends can we play? Oh, they're all options because anybody who scores anything is something to play this year. So it's kind of why I feel like the season flew by. I just don't feel like there's been a lot of memorable things that kind of jumped out. So the season kind of just blurred into one for myself. I will say this. This season probably rewarded the most active managers in every league because it was just if people were paying attention to the wire. <laughs> well, yeah, Chris, Chris and I are in some leagues where some guys, it was kind of inexplicable. They made it as far as they did, uh, being as inactive as they are. But in general, when you have when you have a season like this and it's just low scoring across the board, I think it takes a lot of, you know, paying attention, a lot of homework to try to squeeze out what you have to make up for that, you know, could deplete you in the draft, the moves you had to make. And I think that gets rewarded here this season, especially being part of MD Nation. So we got four more matchups to talk about before we wrap this whole thing up for the week. Okay. We got the Packers against the Dolphins. That's the first Sunday game. So we're actually into the Sunday and the Monday games. We got the Broncos against the Rams. <laughs> That'll be a doozy. Yeah, we got Day. exciting Sunday and Monday night games again, as always. And we got Tampa Bay against Arizona. Yeah, yeah, get up for that one, Christmas night. Yeah, no, okay. Uh, what about the Chargers and the Colts? Hey, Nick Foles, starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Chris, what was your first reaction when you heard, oh, man, we got Nick Foles now. Oh, look out. Honestly, what took him so long? Why did you have this guy <laughs> on your roster in the first place? I'm trying to figure out why I ever saw Sam Ellinger this entire season, and now Nick Foles will finally get out there. Not that I love Nick Foles by any stretch of the means, but I mean, Jesus, if you're going to play Sam Ellinger and Matt Ryan three times and bench him, you know, keep benching and bring him back out there, why not let Nick Foles try? He can't be any worse than we've seen in the shit shows of quarterbacks this whole season. I agree. I mean, I spe- just when, they t- when they turned to Sam Ellinger, like, that made no sense to me. Like, why not just give a shot to Foles? Matt Ryan, please, for the love of God, retire as soon as this year's over, dude, because I can't well, watch football yes. anymore. 
the Sam Ellinger thing I thought originally was supposed to be, I thought they were actually using the run. If he didn't run, he was going to, you know, basically play you a Matt Ryan offense. He's too slow. He's well, too Well, I'm just saying slow. that was the reason I thought they were going to use him. But if you're going to use Matt Ryan offense with Sam Ellinger, yeah, then you might as well pick Nick Foles, who's actually can dig a dunk, you know, somewhat. And that's a team's rule before. All right, that's entirely too much talk about the Colts' uh, True. Colts yes. quarterback situation. Let's get to our obvious starters. Obvious starters. Hey, people be riding the Nike. Yes, I am. Uh, I, you got cut off there. I didn't hear what you said. I this week, so you got a lot. You're on mute. There you go. You're off mute now. You're good. Oh, I said uh, uh, this game's still going to be his last game of the week, so it's still going to be a game, uh, game a lot of people have their eyes on, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk about some of those players that might be in that game. But right now, actually, <laughs> kick it off. I do have a player to talk about in that game. Obvious starter, Austin Eckler, RB of four for me this week. There's really not much to talk about Austin Eckler. It's the same thing every week. You need him to catch the ball. Running-wise, he's been wildly inefficient on the ground all year long. That has not changed. But he continues to get all kinds of targets because Justin Herbert continues to throw the ball 50-plus times. So ultimately, there's really nothing... Nothing to worry about there, right? Agreed. Okay, so we move on. My only other obvious starter for these matchups actually is Tyree Kill at wide receiver four. Uh, it's going to be in Miami, which for Miami, it's going to be cold. But ultimately, like weather-wise, it's nothing to hinder you from thinking you guys can't perform to expectation. So uh, Tyree Kill, wide receiver four. Okay, good talk, guys. Those are obvious starters, only two for these matchups. So it gives you kind of an idea of what we're talking about with these guys. Lock them in. It's a lock. I will lock to attack Lavoa in as a top 12 quarterback this week. He comes in my QB 11. Now, it's been a little disheartening. While Miami played a really good game against Buffalo, Tua, from a fantasy standpoint, wasn't that great and hasn't been that great, uh, frankly, for the past month. But good news for him, the Green Bay Packers defense is underachieved all year long. So he's still going to be a top 12 quarterback for me. I'm not really getting shaken over that. Uh, you got anything on Tua this, this week? No, and I think you like that, you know, the weather. He played pretty well in the game last week. In general, the team played pretty well for a team that's been struggling historically, you know, colder weather. So this game's definitely been warmer than it was in Buffalo last week. And I think, too, is looking a little bit better. The offense looks a little more adjusted, and they're using more of the weapons around them. So I kind of like him, you know, getting back on track sooner than later. All right. So let, And then Justin Herbert, he comes in my QB6. He's got to bounce back in a big way. I know on paper – the Colts defense looks like it's, it's semi-tough against quarterback position, but uh, Kenny Moore is not going to pr- is not going to play again this week, or at least he's not expected to. That middle of the field's wide open. I think he was going to take advantage of it. Justin Herbert, fire him up as a top six quarterback for me this week, please. Chris, are you with me? I mean, you have to play Justin Herbert. Whether he finishes top six or not, I'm not sure. And the Chargers in general have been kind of underachieving offensively, but. After you saw Kirk Cousins and you know Osborne and Jefferson and everybody else like that team up for the Colts, well, you yeah. have to kind of be you have to play the quarterback playing versus that team. Exactly. Kirk Cousins dropped like what forty fantasy points basically last week and a half. Now I don't think the Chargers got to come back from behind the way the Vikings did, but they throw the ball like I said fifty times. Regardless, they were in a game a couple weeks ago. They won the game 23-17. We're up the entire time, and he still threw the ball fifty-one times. It's well, what this offense does. What you like about this offense is it hasn't been aggressive down the field, but because the Colts aren't, you know, being Colts style last week, all the short passes got broken into big long runs, and you you, yeah, you can definitely, without more, they could definitely attack this defense all day long. So you can kind of easily get easy completions where you know 
Herbert's offense could look and the numbers could look really good this week. I am locking in Aaron Jones this week. I may move him down a couple of spots because A.J. Dillon get officially cleared. But regardless, he's still going to be my low-end RB1, high-end RB2 territory against a bad defense in the Miami Dolphins right now. And I'm also locking in James Conner, who's just getting a ton of volume and too much for me to bench. So what do you think about those two guys locking both those in my lineups? Yeah, the Green Bay thing is definitely interesting for me. I like Aaron Jones. I would have been really excited if, you know, A.J. Dillon wasn't back from question already. Um, that does make it a little cautious in general because the kind of you've seen A.J. Dillon being utilized. I think the offense will score, so therefore I think Aaron Jones has an easy role to continue to be involved this offense. Um, my only concern in general is, like, it's almost like we're forgetting who Green Bay is, and I'm trying to remember, like, I'm trying to remind myself, even though this Dolphins defense hasn't been good all season, this Green Bay offense – has really been consistently decent, <laughs> especially back-to-back weeks. So I'm trying to, trying to like Aaron Jones, but I still have that line in the back of my mind, like, man, this Green Bay team's been burning people left and right all season long. So am I going to get burnt this week? But right now on paper, you love the matchup versus offense. Absolutely. Okay, let's go to wide receivers. Uh, Jalen Waddle, I'm not in love with the target share that he's been seeing over the past three weeks. But what he showed you in Buffalo was, I just need one play. That's all I need. I just need one play. He's coming in my wide receiver 10 this week. Well, Green Bay's secondary has been a secondary you could take advantage of all year long. Like, Jerry Alexander hasn't been the same guy, but they're especially susceptible on the backside corner where Jalen Waddle will spend the majority of his time. So I have him all the way up at wide receiver 10. Chris, is that too aggressive with the target share that he's been seeing? I don't think so because I think you've seen the Dolphins kind of talk about obviously trying to get him more involved. You saw Tyree Hill get on Gallium on the targets last week. I think it would be a little bit, you know, of narrowing down between that gap between him and Waddle. And as you talked about, Waddle's just things of one big play. Uh, this Green Bay secondary is definitely exploitable. You like what Waddle's been kind of doing. And I think that you look in general, this often offense should be able to put points up on the board versus defense. Doesn't get a lot of pass rush, which has been kind of the Achilles heel of late for them. So with that, Waddle usually has a good ceiling as well. I like the boom factor for him. So I like the floor and the boom factor for Jalen Waddle as well. I'm also locking in Chris Godwin as a top 20 receiver coming at wide receiver 17. His target share is obviously through the roof. It's a great match against Arizona because, again, they're not expected to have Byron Murphy. If Godwin scores like he did last week, he's consistently a high-end wide receiver too. It's just the problem is if he doesn't score, he's not getting over 100 yards because everything's within five yards of the line of scrimmage, unfortunately. But physically, he looks good. The volume is there. The opportunity for him to score is there. At the, old, at the end of the day, that's all you're looking for. So he's my wide receiver 17 this week. Yeah, look, Chris Godwin's the guy you're going to lock in your life, in my opinion. I guess you're going to have some questioning. Talk about the ceiling hasn't been there. It should be there sooner than later at some point because Chris Godwin's still a good player. My only caution, you know, kind of of the floor in a sense, is seeing Russell Gage get eight, car- eight, eight touches. Um, they, they'll talk about Julio playing again this week. He was out last week. So if the Tampa Bay team is going to continue to have more and more mouths to feed in a sense and more and more guys who are just going to be feasting in the middle of the field, uh, it's the only place Chris Godwin can you know, kind of get open or get the ball. I'm a little bit worried maybe you'll get the 15 targets you have been getting because you're the only guy who's getting maybe all those 10. before. Yeah, so now maybe it's only 10. It may only be 60 yards versus 80 yards. So that's my only kind of caution for him. Um, that's about it. Here's the guy we got to talk about. So DeAndre Hopkins, he does, he is still a wide receiver 11 for me this week. So he's still a low-end wide receiver one. Yes, it is Trace McSorley. 
But Trace McSorley only has eyes for DeAndre Hopkins. He's the only guy he knows how to throw the ball to. He still had double-digit targets last week. The volume will get him there. I don't know if he gets any big plays. I don't know if he scores because that's something he has been doing regardless of the quarterback is, is actually scoring the ball. But the vo- it's kind of like a Godwin situation. The volume will get him there. Are you avoiding Hopkins with Chase McSorley or just – or are you feeling safe? I know. I mean, you Hopkins? you have to play DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, I don't know who you're going to play over DeAndre right. Hopkins. He's, but I'm definitely going to be closing my eyes and just holding my breath the entire time because I'm not very excited <laughs> about doing so. Dude, that Arizona offense, like I, I don't, like he's Connor's going to get the volume. Hopkins get the uh, get the volume. We'll talk about Marquise Brown a little bit later on the show. Everything else is going to be a crapshoot when it comes to that team. Uh, but for now, let's talk about Keenan Allen. So Keenan Allen, I'm locking him at wide receiver 12, and uh, we'll talk about that Monday night game. I, I got Michael Pittman on this list, too. I'm locking in Michael Pittman as a top 24 wide receiver. I don't think the change from Matt Ryan and Nick Foles affects the volume of, Matt, of Michael Pittman. I really don't. I, I think it's just I think it's going to be the same offense. Maybe Nick Foles is a little bit better than Matt Ryan throwing the football at this point in his career. I, who knows? So it remains to be seen. I do know who the number one read's going to be, though. And it's not like Foles taking shots down the field anytime soon either, because last time we saw him, it didn't look like he could throw the ball down the field anymore in his own right. So I like the volume for Pittman and a game in which I expect the Colts to have to come back from behind. And Keenan Allen, he looks like Keenan Allen again to me. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, the big thing for me is the Colts without Kellen Moore are definitely exploitable in the middle. They already sucked versus the tight end oh, position. Yeah. Now without Kellen Moore in the slot, they exposable all kinds of ways in that middle. So I love the matchup for Keenan Allen, who's been, you know, basically money in the banquet since he's got returned from injury. Justin Herbert, you know, has always been his go-to guy. Justin Herbert's got all go-to guy. Um, so I love Keenan Allen. In terms of the Colts, you know, defense and kind of the matchup for Pittman, I don't know if Foles has or doesn't have. I told you I'd rather see him, you know, than the same Ellinger. But what I did have remember from Nick Foles, whether I never liked him as a quarterback, but whoever the receiver one has been historically, whether he was in Kansas City, whether he was in Philadelphia, whether he was in Chicago, he usually features that guy and throws it to him more than anybody else. You go back to Ashton Jeffrey days and Eagles and, and you know, you can go different places, look at Al Robinson and his numbers with him in Chicago. Nick Foles will, as you talked about, make that first read and throw it to that first guy. His Niche, per se, is the RPO action, so that's his thing, and he looks for his first read and rather throws it or kinds it off. I'm going to guess Pittman's probably going to that guy continues to be. I actually think it actually might be a boon for Pittman a little bit just because I don't think you get worse than Matt Ryan than playing quarterback this whole season. <laughs> well, you can. It's Sam Ellinger. <laughs> well, true. True. That is true. Look out for... <laughs> Two future Hall of Famers. I'm going to say, I, I also see a guy who played horrible last week who seemingly lost the game for the last Tom Brady. But we'll, we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Well, let's talk about him now. I was going to say, two, I was two future Hall of Famers. I look out for technically inside my top 15, but... That'd be... There, yeah, I, I don't think... I, I would hope at this point, if you made it this point, to this point in your playoffs, 
you got to have something better than a Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers who come in at QB 14 and QB 15 for me this week. Chris, do you actually think they should be streaming options depending upon what your situation may be? I don't even know if they're really that available in most leagues right now, but that's a territory they find themselves in for me. This is such a disgusting situation for these two guys. You look <laughs> at both these defenses that are playing against, definitely exploitable. You look at the weapons they have in place. They have a lot of weapons in place. And yet, as you're cautioning, do you? like? I have more faith in Gardner Minshew because the weapons around him that I have in Tom Brady right now, who's got actually the healthiest type of team he's had around him just to work for turn last week, for God's sakes. And Tom Brady looked even worse than he's looked for the whole season. So I don't know. There should be logic in your head that says, you know, these guys with the matchups, with the talent they actually have healthy available to both of them, they should be able to put numbers. But the way they both play quarterback this entire season, I'm not going to argue that you should. Tom Brady's the one I I think you do because Tom Brady's volume's been there you know, talk about ugly right. as it been. The volumes got you the floor, which into right now in this NFL quarterback position, you want the floor. Tom Brady has gotten that for you, so the Arizona team is going to give you that floor probably too. Well, the flip side, the argument I can make for Aaron Rodgers is that with Christian Watson now, there actually is a big play factor alive against the Miami back. defense. Oh, so, ben yeah. Yeah, and Elton I, Jenkins yeah. is back. and Sure. That's, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sure. Dolphins right. got lit up by Cleveland with backup quarterbacks right. for exactly. weeks ago. Like it's exactly. so easy to let you can let the Dolphins, but it's like, yeah. Well, <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about more Green Bay Packers. AJ Dillon comes into my RB thirty-two to look out for him. Now, Chris, he, he can score touchdowns, and that's why he's in this range. But talk about a guy who has not been efficient this year. Averaging three and a half yards a carry against anybody. Doesn't matter if the matchup's good, bad. He has not been efficient when he's had the ball in his hands, and he's not getting involved in the passing game either. That domain has been almost strictly belonging to Aaron Jones. So, what is your confidence level in the idea of AJ Dillon being a flex play this week? It's pretty high. Um, I, you talked about being inefficient. I, I don't know if those numbers reflect how he's been the last three weeks because he's been pretty involved in the Green Bay team. He's only had 3.2 out there. yards per carry last week, too. Okay. Um, had two touchdowns, I believe. He did. Um, and I think that, you know, overall, when you look at the matchup versus Dolphins team, everybody can run on the Dolphins. Everybody. So it's not a bad matchup for him to have opportunity to do so. I have, like, what I've kind of seen as of late. I like guys who are usually the bigger backs in these kinds of weathers, particularly when the weathers kind of could be a factor in any kind of capacity. And then overall, when I look at this Green Bay team, you can definitely take advantage of running at them. The healthier offensive line with Elga Jay's back, definitely take advantage of the Dolphins' you know, weak offensive defensive line, I should say. And I think this is a Green Bay game that you can play as a flex option. The guy I have one spot ahead of him is actually on the Miami side is Raheem Mostert. I got an RB31. I think I might have moved him up to RB29. I, I did some adjusting right before the show. I'm expecting him, whether Jeff Wilson's healthy or not, I'm expecting him to be the lead of the backfield. That's what I expect. Uh, he's been playing a little bit ahead of Jeff Wilson the two games previous uh, to his injury to begin with. Last week, he finally looked good. I think the key is not so much what's the rotation between these two running backs. I think the key is, does McDaniel remember to use the running game? Because that was really the problem. We go If we go back three weeks, those first two weeks in that three-week period, it wasn't just, they had tough matchups, yes, but it looked like Mike McDaniel 
totally abandoned the running game. In fact, one game was against the Chargers, so that, that was a good matchup, and they completely abandoned the running game for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Now you go up against Buffalo last week, who Mike McDaniel had a tremendous game plan for that game, and just, you know, Josh Allen did Josh Allen things. That's why they lost. They finally remember to run the ball, which helped out the entire offense. Raheem Mostert, 17 carries, goes over 130 yards against one of the toughest matchups you can possibly have. So as long as they remember to run the football, especially against the Green Bay Packers, I think both Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson can be in the top 36, can be RB3 flex plays for you. And of the two, I would lean towards Raheem Mostert. Are you in agreement with that or no? I'm in agreement with Raheem Mostert. It's definitely a guy I like to have in my lineup. Is the guy that I think is an option. And I love what I saw the Dolphins, all the things you talked about, you know, them realizing they had to run the ball. And I think that's something that they already kind of acknowledged. And you saw, like you talked about last week, them kind of commit back to. I think it's going to change. And it's a defense that you can definitely exploit running the ball because it's pretty much terrible versus running the entire season. And let's be real, real for the rest of the decade. Um, having said that, I'm not excited about Jeff Wilson Jr. I don't know what his status is, your health related wise. He's limited in practice he, so far this week. I know he had that big game, the first game he got kind of traded since he's really not done a whole lot. And I think Moser kind of you know reestablished himself and looked good last week. I think there's no reason to kind of play with that. And I think Raheem Moser's continue to be the guy kind of I prefer in that backfield. And I think it's a good matchup to have him this week. I'm not loving Joe Wilson Jr. as much. Okay. Uh, what about Latavius Murray? He comes in my RB30. So he's also he's another guy in that range where he's a flex play. He had a great game last week. <laughs> I had to double check that stat line. I was like, wait a minute. Latavius Murray went over 100 yards rushing and was like, was like good and of course, he hurt himself a little bit because he was too much activity for him. <laughs> Playing against the Rams. Uh, I, I said last week going against the Rams. Remember, I was like, the levy's got to break at some point. It did against the Packers running game. Does that? Con- Are you playing Latavius Murray, I guess I should say, with any confidence as a, as a flex play, which is where I kind of have him ranked at right now. Yeah, I'm never going to say confidence with Latavius Murray in the same sentence as something I said last week's show. But, yes, it's still an eye that you're going to roll out there because Denver seems committed to him. Um, they did, you know, use the running back. Now, one of the things that was also interesting is you saw Marlon Mack have two explosive run, you know, plays. This team in general was able to run the ball, even with Brett Rippon as the quarterback. Um, so, you know, Denver, if they can kind of, you know, get back to what they did last week, should easily be able to kind of reestablish the TVs again this week. Always not a caution. Once again, is it's Russ's back, and who's what Russ can do to just sabotage situations because he's there, <laughs> and then. Add one more caveat, you know, the offense in general and Latavius Murray isn't good. So it will be interesting to see, can he continue that trend? But is a guy you probably have any flex option because one is still healthy and you're going to get 50, 20 touches. You're going to be in a lot usually. Yeah. Um, I think the same could be said for Cam Akers. Like him and Latavius Murray belong together. The team's committed to him. And right now Cam Akers is the only player that you can even think about on the Rams being fantasy relevant right now. So we could just lump him in the same conversation as Latavius Murray. Let's talk about the Tampa Bay backfield. I got Leonard Fournette at RB23, Rashad White at RB29. As much as it was looking like Rashad White could maybe be the lead guy, now the last two weeks it's leaned right back to Leonard Fournette. So that's why I got about 23 and Rashad White 29. Still guys you could talk about in the flex, especially half point, full point PPR in particular. Uh, but do you agree with me having Fournette ahead of White? Um... I guess. I mean, Fournette has a better chance, I think, to fall into the end zone. The problem for me in general is this Tampa Bay offense isn't scoring points. And when you're not scoring points and you're throwing the ball a bunch of times you know, to your receivers for eight-yard, five-yard passes, it gets me really cautious about running game and running backs in general. 
So it's a great matchup versus Arizona, so you're definitely healing. But I do worry about, you know, those guys kind of cannibalizing each other and just take away off just underachieving in general has has an entire season. So I don't like either guy necessarily as a huge option, but I think Fournette would be one I'd probably have my lineup as a flex option. Not strong or yeah. white, though. Let's get into something that's a little more exciting. Let's talk about Christian Watson, who does come into my wide receiver 22 this week. The good news against the Dolphins, the big play is available. And the other good news on the Packers side for Christian Watson is Alan Lazard looks dead. Uh, It looks like he's completely moved on. Romeo Dobbs came back. He had the fourth most snaps amongst the wide receivers and yet the second most targets to Christian Watson. Maybe the Packers just deciding we got to go young. We're going in that direction. Lazard's barely been targeted over the past two weeks. And with that, I would say Christian Watson, decent chance for him to be a guy who can hit that big play for you. And while he didn't convert last week, did have two targets inside the red zone. So the opportunity was there as well. So wide receiver 22, Chris, that means I have him as wide receiver two going into this week. It means I'm pretty much having him in your lineup. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think we scored six games straight now. Um, one of the guys that you kind of run in the league score last week. He didn't Sorry, score last he didn't score last week. Okay, had scored six games going to last week. Um, you know, a guy who's been very productive and one of the guys that Green Bay seems to kind of try to figure out ways to get the ball to, whether it's handing the ball, which I thought he had a nice run last week. I can't remember maybe before. Uh, but they've been handing the ball, throwing enough. the ball. Okay, so they've been getting the ball different ways and then try to get him you know, heavily involved. So they're looking for ways to use him. He's got Lazard's kind of red zone usage that Lazard and Devontae Adams have kind of you know, made livings off of, more so Lazard of late. And then he's got the kind of, you know, big play opportunity as well versus secondary. So I think he's a guy you're going to have your lineup and a guy you probably trust more than the other receivers on this team. Yeah, I mean, last week, the, the, the caveat to Christian Watson is what I was worried about going into last week. It's why I had him ranked so much lower than the ECR, and I wound up being right about it. He's got to get more than six targets to actually sustain a floor. That that's the, that's the issue with the Christian Watson. He's still only getting six targets. Even last week, he only got six targets. So if he doesn't score... You could wind up having a pretty low floor at the end of the day, but this is a good matchup for him to get a touchdown in this one. So that's why I have more confidence in him in this matchup. Here's a guy that uh, not really sure how I feel about him either. I got him ranked at wide receiver 29. That's Jerry Judy. Cortland Sutton's not fully back. He did practice in limited capacity. They're, they're leaning towards him being active, but I don't think he's going to be 100% healthy. However, just the fact that he's out there, I think you kind of you kind of mentioned this earlier in the show. Frames me enough where Judy, who already has to deal with inaccurate quarterbacks, whether it's Rippon, whether it's whether it's Russell Wilson, it doesn't really matter. He's been a wide receiver three. That's where I have him right now. But Chris, is he going to be in your lineup? He is going to be in my lineup. And you know, I don't expect Quentin necessarily to play this week, but even if he does, I like what Judy's been kind of being able to do the last few weeks. I like the matchup, and I think that overall. You've been seeing, you know, Denver's been able to feature one receiver most weeks. So I think it's his turn right now. And I think that's kind of, you know, you kind of ride that wave as you did because he's been pretty successful the last few weeks. I continue to kind of ride that wave with him. And then outside of that, Mike Evans, he comes to my wide receiver 20. Same song, different dance. Targets are there. He actually got targeted last week, at least. That that was probably the only good news I could offer you. But uh, still looking for a score. Still looking for 100 yards. And because he's Mike Evans, he's still probably in your lineup. 
there's other options that you can go with, but again, this week against the Arizona Cardinals, who are bad against perimeter wide receivers to begin with, I do have him as a wide receiver 20 this week. Chris, I want to talk to you about Mike Williams, who I do have as a wide receiver 26. He's the same boomer bust guy he's always been, but against the Indianapolis Colts, who have been good against perimeter wide receivers, where do you fall out in your confidence level of Mike Williams being a guy in your lineup? Not very high. I feel this Colts team have played better in general. Look, they had one of the worst all-time – I'm sorry, the worst all-time the meltdown worst, yeah. of all time last season, you know, last week. But until that point, that Denver – not Denver team. That Colts team was playing pretty good. Um, their defense was playing solid. Their offense was moving the ball. They just went into, like, you know, full-out pre-bet defense, basically, and shell-shock offense, and they basically caught up with them. Um, so I expect them to kind of, you know, have an axe to grind versus a Charger team that has been surprisingly feisty – and, you know, giving teams a hard time, but they're not very good either side of the ball right now. So I don't love Mike Williams. Uh, pass protection around, you know, Herbert's been a problem. So Mike Williams usually booms off the, you know, be able to push down the field, get big plays down the field. We haven't really seen that in general for the Chargers. It's about Eckler living off the passing game. It's about Keenan Allen off the passing game. Both those guys usually are the guys you see in the middle, which is where you can attack the Colts. You know, Gilmore has been pretty good for this year for the Colts. The outside guys have been pretty good for the Colts. So I don't love the matchup with Mike Williams again this week. I do have a sleeper at the tight end position for you. Now, he's tight end 17, so don't get me twisted like I'm all high on him or anything like that. But Kate Otten, who saw nine targets last week, going up against the Arizona Cardinals, if you feel like taking a shot on a guy, Kate Otten could be that guy. Maybe look for a DFS, but he, he's on my radar. I don't know. Just got a feeling. He scores. The scores part in Arizona gives me, you know, DFS for purposes. Maybe I try to put Kate Otten there. I used to stretch my arm pretty hard to put him in for my playoff team right now. I like Kate Otten. I like his play. But I talked about all different mouths you're feeding for Bay's passing pack well, as I, it was. Let me pose the question to you this way. <clears throat> if you're choosing between David Njoku with 35, 40-mile-an-hour winds and snow and cold and everything else that game's going to be about, and Kate Otten, who at least has a great shot because he's playing the Arizona Cardinals, who invent new ways to give up points to tight ends, I don't know. Would you have the conversation in your head? So... This is where you, maybe you, you're trying to make a good point, but the point kind of falls on me differently. In the cold weather, I like tight ends. You guys saw Dallas Knox last week? He had a good game for Buffalo because it's cold. When they, the tight ends usually do good when it's cold. Well, they the usually play well. Really cold. Getting at. It's the wind that I'm getting at. Well, the wind too. The bad weather is usually a tight end's advantage. The other guys usually are bigger, stronger, closer to the field. I like tight ends in bad weather. Okay. I don't like – so that doesn't bother me as much. What bothers me for Kate Otten is – are you going to tell me Arizona is going to go up there and score points the way that Tampa Bay had to come back from last week to score and throw the ball as much as they had to to can kind of try to come back? Because that's the difference for Tampa Bay. The only time this Tampa Bay team in general puts up, you know, fantasy points is when they have to try to come back. Arizona's offense is so bad. And now if you're a third string quarterback on top of it, this is like the only game Tampa Bay actually might not have to come back in. Even Tom Brady's horrible. They didn't have to throw the ball 50 times in the game to actually, you know, Keep in it in a sense. So I thought Brad Kate Otten's ceiling is definitely concerning. Okay. Uh, Gerald Everett, he comes in in my top 10 tight end. And it's just the same song, different dance. The middle of the field's open on the Colts. He gets targets. And uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> Chris, anything else to add to Gerald Everett? I know you hate Gerald uh, Everett now. Uh, Gerald, I'm going to say it's Gerald Everett, so do what you must. We got a question from uh, Nick here. Jerry Judy or DJ Moore, full point PPR. It is no contest. It is DJ Moore for me. It is a little bit of contest for me, but I do like DJ Moore. He's playing the Detroit Lions. It's not not a contest. 
okay, so Dan says it's not a contest. I say it's a contest still, so he can argue over me, but I still think it's a contest. It's it's not. It's like the Detroit Lions. It trumps all. It trumps all. Detroit uh, Lions, is, they, they talk about the team give, inventing ways to give up points to the wide receivers. DJ Moore is actually, we, we didn't talk about this, Chris, because we talked about it yesterday. DJ Moore is wide receiver 13 for me this week. That's where my confidence level on him scoring uh, in this upcoming game. But we got to move on to the be cautious of section. Be cautious of? I never want to play Russell Wilson. So, yeah, that, that shouldn't come as any shock to anybody there. The Rams, not a good matchup. This could be a very ugly defensive battle. Any Anything there? You, you think Russ maybe coming off a big game against Kansas City gives you any hope? No, because once again, it was a comeback game. They were down big, and they had right. to come back versus the Chiefs. Um, but it does give me hope that the Rams kind of came back to reality last week, and I think that's something you can kind of look at some ways of, like, this is basically a Division three school you're playing in the NFL. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, wide receiver Russell Gage, even though he was targeted last week, I'm not cracking him into my fantasy playoff lineups. Uh, neither am I with Alan Lazar. We kind of talked about that. The guy, Chris, want to kick over to you, Marquise Brown. Now, this decision might get taken out of your hands altogether because he's now dealing with a groin injury. He just popped up in the injury report today. So we don't even know how healthy he's going to be going into this matchup. Assuming he is active for the Sunday night game, though, he still wouldn't crack my top 36 with Trace McSorley at quarterback, and that's as simple as it is for me. Yeah, it's pretty much that simple for me now. I'm trying to remember if McSorley had had a couple of starts for the Ravens, and I do think he had some of the better games or better you know throws with Marcus Brown. That's because Marcus Brown's the only wide receiver there, too. Agreed. Um, so that's, you know, just trying to think of familiarity-wise. But last week you saw Marquis return, got four catches for 19 yards. If he's not going to be explosive, you don't like it. It's a good matchup on paper versus Tampa Bay, but when you have McSorley as your quarterback, yeah, I am not eager to have any extra receivers other than DeAndre Hopkins in my lineup this week. Agreed. And Greg Dolchich, he doesn't crack anywhere near my top 18 even at tight ends. The Rams, no matter what they throw out there in defense, it has not been conducive for the tight end position, and it's not really an offense I trust to begin with. Yeah, I'm not trying to... Great Dolce is a pain in the ass is because he's, he's a classic tight end where like every time he's supposed to do something, he does nothing. Every week he's supposed to not do anything, he does something. So you always kind of go back and forth like, well, he could be considered just try to avoid Denver offense as much as in general and other than Judy, in my opinion. I'll give you one here. I would play Taysom Hill over Greg Dolchich. Do you agree with that? I have to go that way because we actually saw Taysom Hill throw the ball last week. So, the Saints' offense is so bad that maybe Axe will do everything at some point this week. So, yes. <laughs> Guys, that. Oh, wait. We know we got a few questions here. Let's see what we got here. Nick coming in. Nick said he's probably going with uh, DJ Moore. He also has another question. Pacheco, Raheem Mostert, AJ Dillon, Brandon Ayuk, any of these better? Better. Or so, are you saying, I'm guessing you're saying Jerry Judy, DJ Moore. That was his flex conversation, I guess he was having. Um, yeah, I would I would go Pacheco if that, if that's if you're talking about a flex situation here out of, out of all those options. Is this a full point PPR? He's, I think it's a full point PPR. I think that's what he said earlier. Yes, I like most certain that situation over everybody. Okay, yes, but either way, I think I I would go with one of those two running backs over any of yeah. the wide receiver options uh, that Agreed. he posted out there. If that's part of the flex, that's going to do it for the show, guys. Good luck. I hope you're back with us next week for our championships. Also, next week is going to be our last week of shows. 
It's been a great ride. Obviously, we'll come back, you know, in the offseason at some point, but we'll be taking a break. Some things we'll be working on behind the scenes on the show to get bigger, better than ever. We'll be back tomorrow night on Friday, 10 p.m. Eastern with the Cashing Friday show. Chris will go over our DFS lineups. We also have Chaz Flaherty. He'll be back after a one-week hiatus with our lock picks of the week so we can win some money on our Christmas week. Try to win back some of that spending money that we put in there the whole time. Chris, uh, what do you got coming up? You got a Tuesday show, right? I believe that we do. We missed this past Tuesday. Had a little kind of you know mix up on travels plans, but we're hopefully back this week. Try to coach you guys up when, like, as you go into your championship round. You know, what kind of moves can you make? Some of the guys we're looking to add and maybe try to play name that quarterback because right now you, we're always giving you guys advice on that show what quarterbacks to kind of look at or ride with the season, situation the season is going right now. Who knows what we're looking at next week for as a quarterback option. So tune in. Yeah, tune into that and we'll catch you guys tomorrow night. Everybody take care and be safe uh, with the weather rolling in too.